0: Good Sunday evening, everybody. Welcome into the Rocky Top Rewind here at VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. Appreciate you for uh, being here with us here today and uh, hanging out with us. We'll be on the air until uh, nine o'clock Eastern time. We'll take your questions throughout the hours. And of course, we'll recap Tennessee and AM. Look ahead to Tennessee, Alabama. All that and more. I am Mary Kane. That's Brent Hubbs. Uh, the Rockets at Rewind. Every single week is presented by our great friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey. If you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That's TN Trial Lawyers. that specialize in so many things like criminal defense, family law, personal injury. Free consultation. Give them a call today at 423-245-4185. A big thanks to Spivey King and Spivey LLP, and you can find them online at SpiveyKing and Uh Brett Hubbs will take questions from the audience as they continue to kind of make their way in here. But first, uh, it wasn't pretty. I think Josh Heupel was was quoted after the game somewhere, you know, where there was a microphone or a camera saying it reminded him of 1985. But Tennessee gets the win. It's 20-13 to 13 over AM on a night where the run game was great, the defense was great, and the special teams was great. A big win for Tennessee at home to reach 5-1. and one.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, this is a toss-up game that you you had to get, you know, you had to get find a way to get it at home. You've been a really good team at home, and uh, for the first time in the Josh Heupel era, they really leaned on Tim Banks' defense, and Tim Banks' defense delivered. You mentioned the kicking game, hidden yards we talked about last week. Tennessee won that, um, and, and they found a way. And I think that's something about says something about growth of the program is the ability to find a way when it's not about, you know, a forty-five point game. Uh, but there's obviously some offensive concerns, and those are growing concerns as, as we move forward here and, and this team plays better defenses. And what what do you do? What are the answers? How do you get better in the red zone? How confident are you with Joe Milton throwing the ball at different points and places on the field? Uh, lots of things to, to, to worry about and, and to sweat about. Uh, at the same time, too, never never look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Don't, don't take a win for granted. Tennessee's 5-1. They found a way that says a lot about who they are. Uh, now the question is, how many how, how many more can they find along the way? And it starts this week uh, by traveling to Tuscaloosa and taking on an Alabama team that's got some of the similarities to Tennessee in some ways. And, and, and you know, you get a chance to be in that football game late and see what happens, and um, we'll see how much better this team can get this week and, and maybe what other things they can find. I think Josh Heupel kind of talked about it afterwards about – you know, it wasn't his best night. And so if this is what you're going to be offensively, how do you adjust? And what are some of those adjustments uh, besides a very good run game, which you have right now?
0: Yeah, that run game was incredible. Um, And again, the the story, the storylines of the week, of course, heading in Alabama. We'll continue to to preview Alabama as the week goes on. As the show goes on, Bama Online's Tim Watt's going to join us here in about 15 minutes. So looking forward to that. But you know, there's going to be Joe Milton talk, and it's deservedly so. It's sure. you know, it's fair. Tennessee won the game, like you said. You don't you don't apologize for winning a football game. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, you celebrate the things you did well, which was a lot. Uh, but the most important position in all of sports is quarterback, and and obviously there was some short change there, and and we'll get into it. But um, I do want to talk about the the run game, um, man. Jalen Wright, boy, he can he just continues to be as good as advertised. Seven point two yards per carry. 136 yards 19 carries shout out to the offensive line who did the work up front the tight ends and everything you know you and I both we have reservations about running the football on this A&M defense and Tennessee ran the football ran it right at him. and if not for that run game obviously Tennessee would have lost that football game
1: yeah and, and for right it's about the vision he's showing right now and the patience he's showing uh, which I think is really remarkable and his growth and development and um, he's obviously putting in all the extra work, not just physically, but mentally as well. He's got a great feel for where things are right now in the run game. Remember there was a couple of times yesterday, he literally stopped at the line of scrimmage and, and, and kind of sidestepped and, and waited on the hole to develop and then just burst through the hole. Great patience at the line, but uh, by, by Jalen Wright. And, um, I, I had this stat earlier in, in a couple of different places. I mean, half of his yard, over half of his yardage this year, are yards after contact. He's running so much more, so much more physical than he did a year ago, and that's just the growth and development of him. I think you got to give Jerry Mack a lot of credit for what he's done with that entire running back group, but give Jalen Wright the credit for the commitment he made to his craft uh, after the bowl game, and has put himself into the situation where he's clearly their best running back, and he's clearly having the best year of any of those guys.
0: All right, so we're going to be on here until nine o'clock. Awesome, Price joining us later in the hour, um, you know, bottom of the hour to talk a little recruiting, what he thought from the game. Again, Tim Watts, an Alabama preview that's coming up in about ten minutes. Let's go ahead and get into your questions. I've gone ahead and kind of started some of these, and, and we'll get in and answer some of these. Let's start with Lewis. Play D Williams on offense. Maybe he can catch a wild Milton throw. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, D Williams who had the. Uh, the 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 punt down to the one yard line, and then of course moments later had the punt return for a touchdown. He was asked by Jimmy Hyman's post game, you know, point blank, have you lobbied to play offense? He said, yes, I have, and everybody kind of kind of started laughing because he was so serious about it. But then, then he just kind of says, hey, I can only control what I can control, and right now he's one of the most dangerous returners in the country. He's he he was out there with the receivers pregame, going through all that type of stuff. That will be a slow transition. He's never going to get ten targets a game. But he is a guy that we both wrote about last night. Uh, we've liked, you know, since he's got on campus, he's dangerous. And, and and it's a shame that he only gets two to three touches a game. But as you wrote last night, Brent, he is making the most of them.
1: He is indeed. And, and we'll see where, you know, what they can do with him offensively. And and you wonder after last night scoring just 20 points in the red zone struggles, if they don't accelerate some kind of package for him and doing some things. I, I don't think you're going to play him as a true wide receiver. But but, do you accelerate something to try to get the get the ball to him in in space um trying to create some offensive uh, you know splash plays if you will, and opportunities there so we'll we'll see i, I never expected him to play any offense last night i uh, I would be surprised if he plays this week at Alabama, but you'd never know if they don't throw a wrinkle or two out there at some point so um you know it, it's a tough transition for a guy to go to wide receiver who's never who's never played any wide receiver so um, you know, but I do think we may see him a little bit from time to time and, and just a handful of spot plays here and there as the season progresses.
0: Herb will knows, is this fair or foul? Texas a is more of a threat offensively than Alabama uh, for Tennessee's defense. Now, Alabama, you know, can run the football. Of course, they couldn't run on Texas a and and Tennessee ran all over Texas A&M. Uh, Milrow is a different type of quarterback, obviously, than the Max Johnson um, he will be a threat running the football. Tennessee will have to account for him. Um, he's shown the ability to where he can connect down the field over the middle. He can be one-on-one coverage. He did a little bit of that against Texas A&M. Now I'm not saying he's an all American by any stretch of the imagination, but um, very much a, a different quarterback and, and a different offense than what you just saw.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, they've got a, a, a receiver who's hot right now in Burton, who's got a real connection with Milrow and is playing yeah. really well. So, um I like Burton better than any receiver that, that A&M has. A&M's got some speed, but, um, you know, I, I don't – I think Burton's a better route runner and a better receiver than some of those guys they have out there. So I, I wouldn't say that A&M is a more difficult challenge or was a more difficult offensive challenge. I think Milrow's legs are something Tennessee hasn't really faced a lot of this year. We thought Rattler might run around, but he didn't really even try to run around, and Tennessee did a good job him and him up when they tried to. So Milrow will be different. They'll have some straight design runs for him. That's something Tennessee's not seen much of this year at the quarterback position.
0: Let's go to Matthew. Of course, it was uh, you know a weekend where Eric Berry, you know one of the best in college football, Hall of Famer, an NFL legend with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, certainly a legend in these parts. He was honored uh, you know, here at Tennessee this weekend. Good to see him back on campus. Matthew wants to know, do you think Eric Berry and his family will be around more at the university of Tennessee? Something you spoke about a little bit in the mini pod last night.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't want anybody to say, I don't think they've ever been mad. It's not anything like that. You know, Eric is just, Eric's gone through a real transition in his life that he wasn't ready for. And that was having the game of football taken away from him. You know, he never officially has retired from the national football league. Um, in his heart of hearts, I think he would like to, to still find a way to play football again. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think he's had to go through a lot of reflection and, and sort of soul searching to, to find the next step in his life uh, because it happened prematurely, you know, with life without football. He's been through a lot, obviously, from a health standpoint. And, and he's kind of, as Austin mentioned, just kind of gone off on his own and, and just sort of disappeared at times. He's not been around his teammates a whole, former teammates a whole lot. He's not mad at any of them. He's just trying to figure out life without football. I do think that um, this weekend meant more to him than he probably thought it was going to be when he came up the road, came up 75. I think he really enjoyed being back, and I do think you'll see him around um, a bit more often. I don't know that you'll see him weekly, like Al Wilson and some of those guys are coming back weekly right now, but I do think there's a chance you'll see him more than you've seen him the last few years.
0: JP wants to talk about the front four. Tennessee's defensive line has found its identity. O-line is getting the running game moving. Uh, Joe made some great passes. The SEC is going to do its own damage for each other, as will the top 15. Uh, kind of on that, he started with the, the front line there, man. <laughs> it, I think Tennessee went down officially two sacks, five TFLs. Man, it felt like they they were always hitting Max Johnson, just hitting him, just hitting him, just hitting him. And, and credit that line. They play a lot. Didn't have Omar Norman lot yesterday. But Amari Thomas was back there. Bryson Eason was back there. I thought Karat Garland flashed a little bit. And then of course, you get to the edge. Barron had a sack. James Pierce had a sack and about five quarterback hits, it felt like. Um, t- Tennessee's got a strength up front. And, and, and of course, that's AM's as well, that defensive line, that front seven. But. Man, Tennessee just continues to prove week in and week out. You've had one bad week, but Tennessee is one of the sharper units in the SEC.
1: Yeah, and I, I, you know, I like the matchup this week for Tennessee's defensive line against an Alabama offensive front that's had a hard time running against good defensive lines and gave up, I think, five more sacks on Saturday against Arkansas. So I, I think Tennessee can um, can get moving, you know, that way with the defensive front. Uh, I, I think that they hit Max Johnson on sixteen of his thirty-four attempts, or something like that. Uh, was the actual hits that they had on him. Um, I, you know, I like that. Um, I, I, I like where Rodney Garner's group is right now. I mean, the development of those guys have been, has been really, really good. Tyler Barron's playing at a level that he's never played at before. James Pierce is obviously uh, an unbelievable talent. I mean, Karat Garland's a great story, right? I mean, nobody even remembered. I, I didn't remember he was on this football team. Neither did I. Preseason. He had his best night last night. He played terrific against Texas A&M. Uh, Bryce Eason's playing his best football. Um, Amari Thomas is playing well. He's just get, they are getting contribution from all over the place up front, um, and, and it's—you know—that's why Tennessee's where they are. That's the—that's the thing that's made this defense take a big step forward because it's allowing the secondary to do the things that they can do in the back end because they have so much help up front.
0: We're going to get to Tim Watts here in just a couple of minutes. He'll join us and kind of break down this or preview, you know, the Alabama side of the third Saturday in October. But, you know, Sam's got a good question. that can kind of transition us into that. Uh, last year, Tennessee stopped Will Anderson, uh, stopped Dallas Turner. Can, can they stop Dallas Turner again this year? Uh, Tennessee's got some, especially at the right side, some injuries at, at right tackle. Gerald Mincy's a bit banged up. Jeremiah Crawford's limited. Uh, you saw Dane Davis play, uh, you know, pretty well, or play a lot over there yesterday. Uh, Tennessee's got to get healthy on the exterior of the offensive line first, but um, obviously a, a good challenge, and, and you know that front seven from Alabama that's that's always noteworthy in terms of names, and this year is not any different.
1: Yeah, hats off to Dane Davis. I don't think he played any right tackle snaps before last night. I think all his snaps had been center. Yeah, uh, to this point in the season. So to this slide season, back, of course. Yeah, to slide back out there and play in space last night um, and, and not have his name called is is a kudos to Dane Davis. I'm not saying he was road grading or dominating but but he certainly held his own back there at, at the right side which is important because i don't know where jeremiah crawford is and clearly gerald mincey not a hundred percent i don't know that you can expect him to be a hundred percent you know this week we'll see how effective he can be even if he can be effective and we'll see where crawford is at tennessee's dangerously thin on that offensive line they just cannot get anybody nicked up still not sure when andre couric's going to get back um, from, the, from the weird injury he had on the practice field uh, be- right before the South Carolina game. And so suddenly you're, you're, you're really dangerously close to uh, – you're a sprained ankle away from having somebody or a, a shot to the head from having somebody out there who's essentially never played any significant snaps in a college football game. And um, that, that's obviously a concern moving forward. Tennessee's got to get healthy um, and, and try to build a little bit of depth – you know, through just some bodies. They're just very limited in the number of bodies they have right now.
0: We'll ask about Dallas Turner. We'll ask about Jalen Milrow and the rest of that Alabama football team here in just a moment. Tim Watts, Bama Online. Going to join us when we return here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Do want to give a shout-out and a big thanks to our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Presenting sponsor of the Rockets Out Rewind every single Sunday night. If you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That's TN Trial Lawyers. They specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury, uh, DUI, homicide assaults, uh, personal injuries such as car wrecks, ac- accidents, stuff like that. That's what they specialize in. Over 80 years of combined experience, Bobby King and Bobby LLP provides representation throughout state and federal courts of Northeast Tennessee. The firm has got a vast amount of trial experience. Um, the practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership been in place since 2012 and they're energized and ready for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the tri-cities of Sullivan County, Hawkins County, Washington Counties and surrounding counties of East Tennessee. Uh, whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children or have been accused of a crime, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, they are there to help today. So give them a free consultation by giving a call at 423 245 4185. Again, that phone number for a free consultation. It's at 423-245-4185. You can also go online and see him at www.SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP. www.SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. Big thanks to Spivey King and Spivey for being the presenting sponsor of the Rocky Top Rewind. We welcome you back to the Rocky Top Rewind. I'm Eric Kane. That man is Brent Hubbs. Recapping Tennessee and Texas A&M. We'll continue to do that and take your questions up until 9 o'clock. But We do want to look ahead to the third Saturday in October. And for that, we're going to bring on the publisher of Bama Online. That is Tim Watts. Tim, thanks so much for joining us here this evening. Um, How is the weekend homecoming for Alabama? Is that right? Yeah,
2: it wasn't a whole lot of fun. It was an early 11 o'clock game. They had a struggle in the second half. Um, You know, you kind of can see a little bit coming, maybe. They got off to a quick start, so you hope they avoided that trap game. But coming off a very emotional game against Texas A&M, you got Tennessee next week. You got LSU the week after that. So back-to-back revenge games for Alabama. And then you had Arkansas at 11 a.m. in the morning. And um, a scrappy Arkansas team. I know they've lost five in a row, but they've been extremely competitive. But once Alabama jumped out to that big lead, you kind of felt they were going to ride away, and they didn't. And, you know, they had to play a little defense and close out the game with a few first downs. So not quite uh, probably the ending they expected, but a tough game, a good
1: win. I like your Sopranos. You look like you're in the, in the, old, in the old Sopranos movie. I'm uh, just, here's what maybe. I'm glad.
2: Eric, let me tell you what I'm glad about.
1: <laughs> I mean, because that's that's didn't
2: serious me right for there now. 15 years. <laughs> I didn't hear from Brent Huggs for 15 years. And one year ago today, this is our anniversary, he decides to call me. I'm not saying it's a coincidence. But one year ago today, he's like, uh, hey, buddy. That's, that's
1: not true. Now now, Austin making... Price
2: and Grant Ravey, I oh, can't. Yeah. oh, man, Austin, five okay. times a day. Yeah, right. Mr. Okay. Hubs is like 15 years, forget about it. Exactly <laughs> like I so. said, forget about it. But now he's back. So I'm going <laughs> to enjoy him while I got here. Thanks <laughs> I, for having me on, guys. I,
1: I do want to ask you, Tim, about this this Alabama offense. Uh, obviously, sure. obviously Jalen Milrow played well in the second half in particular against Texas A&M. Got off to the good start yesterday. How much, how much more footing do they have offensively compared to where they were 14 days ago, even? Yeah,
2: I think they're, you know, what the thing about the Alabama offense is pretty inconsistent. I mean, the first half, I mean, it's literally a a Dickens novel, the best of times and the worst of times. In the first half, they were really good, hard to stop, um, do threw a few short passes, hit some deep balls. Um, came out in the second half, established the run. But in the second half, passing-wise, they really had – just couldn't find anything going. A lot of his passes sailed on him, um, felt some pressure, but also, you know, had some pressure. So he's kind of a first-year quarterback doing the things. But, you know, he's been – you know, he's played had a lot of experience. You're hoping he takes those steps. And it's not like the pressure's not coming. I mean, you're in the SEC. Everybody's got an edge rusher. Tennessee certainly's got an edge rusher, and James Pierce a guy that we love Charles power ranked him extremely high. I was a huge fan of him coming out of high school. Um, he's a guy y'all got other guys that can come and LSU's got some guys. So you're going to face that kind of pressure anyways, but really the middle of the fields, the area, it's not, you don't really see him establishing the run consistently yet uh, consistently. And there's been some uh, questions about the offensive
1: line. It's a little leaky. All right. So flip it on the other side, defensively, you got Dallas Turner who's obviously a really good player. Secondary the last couple of years has not been to the Nick Saban standard. How much better are they back there and how much better is this defense getting?
2: Yeah, I think the defense is what you'll recognize the most from past Alabama teams. I mean, you've got Dallas. He's probably got seven or eight sacks. Chris Braswell's probably got a handful of sacks They get a lot of pressure. They got Deontay Lawsons, who's a really good inside backer, Trez Marshall, who transferred from uh, Georgia has been a guy that gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback, but yeah, the back end, they lost, you know, they lost some guys last year, but they brought back Kool-Aid McKinstry. I think most people expect him to be a first round cornerback and Terry and Arnold, who was a, you know, he's, he's, it took him a little while for it to click and he suffered some bumps and bruises last year. Um, But he's really, really become a good player with that other cornerback position Malachi Moore, who's injured, he's a he's a guy that's done really well. And they've got the freshman All American, or he will be a freshman all American, and uh Caleb Downs that came in, very highly recruited guy.
0: When you look at the offensive line, again you mentioned, you know, Tennessee's got some pass rushers. You got James Pierce, you got Tyler Barron. You mentioned it's been a struggle to consistently run the football like you know Alabama would want to, you know, week to week to week. How much of a worry is it, maybe from an Alabama perspective, of Tennessee's defensive line? And it's a group that's going to play ten to twelve guys.
2: Yeah. I think the first thing you have to do is try to lock down that left side. Proctor, who was a highly regarded, regarded, guy. Some people have him number one offensive tackle in the country, but still he's a true freshman. Um, a year ago, he was playing Iowa high school football. So, I mean, there's a big difference. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of James Pierce's and, and those type of guys running around Iowa as compared as we're used to seeing in the South. So offensive line has its moments. I mean, they're gave up, they've given up a lot of sacks. I think they're, hundred and thirty is somewhere around that in the country and giving up sacks this year. They established the run, but it's just the inconsistency with it. Now part of that, I think, is the quarterback play. I think sometimes, you know, your quarterback and y'all are familiar with this, certainly, he cannot, you know, he can, you know, he can get out of the pocket they've created for him and put some pressure on himself. And we've seen a little bit, bit of that with the inexperienced quarterback. But also I think you hear those footsteps and sometimes the footsteps real. So it's kind of like two problems going hand in hand. And with all that said, the offense hasn't been atrocious. They've been, they've they've had some plays. They had good plays against Texas AM. and That game should have been a little bit easier of a win. They had a block field goal returned. I mean, a block uh, kick returned for a touchdown called back on a penalty way behind the play. Had a had a lot of penalties, um, kind of similar to the Tennessee game last year uh, for Alabama penalty
1: wise, but they were able to state escape College Station with a win. How good's Burton playing at the receiver spot, Tim?
2: Man, he's really good. He's a natural ball catcher. He's like a center fielder. He tracks it as well as anybody you can see. He's got that toe tap. Um, very he's a problem. He's got a big body and all that. Now he, you know, he's an emotional guy. That's one thing to watch. He's there for the big games. Just one that you know, Bama fans have have noticed. He's very, very emotional, but he they kind of feed off of him. He's got a lot of experience. I mean, he played against Alabama in the national championship game played in every game for Alabama last year that he was healthy in this year. But you kind of see that maybe he's becoming that safety blanket a little bit for Jalen. Jalen's able to find him because he feels comfortable. He took a shot with him that wasn't successful, but you could tell he trusted Burton to have a chance to go and make that play.
0: Tim, Jalen Milrow is at his best when he is doing what? When the team is setting him up in, in this position? When is... When is Milrow at his best?
2: I think he's at his best when he's got a clean pocket, some time to throw. I mean, Alabama's got fast wide receivers. If you look at those guys, some of them are track guys and and uh, guys that are developing into the wide receiver position. But the wide receiver room is pretty deep and pretty talented. So I think Milrow, when you give him that pocket, he's able to look down the field. A lot of bombs this year. And you'll remember Blake Sims at Alabama. Kind of similar to that. He had Amari Cooper. Um, and they were able to drop back Lane Kiffin just wore that you know would wear those plays out. I think that's where he's at his absolute best.
1: How how effective is he running the football? How much is he using his legs? How much are they asking him to use his legs? Not as much as he was. He's not running
2: like he was. I mean, there's been talk that he's got a little bit of an injury. Um, I I think it's more about protecting him myself. I think you don't want to put him at risk of getting hurt. You're kind of all in on Jalen Milrow being your guy this year, right? So you don't want to take any chances. He's still capable of running. He got a huge uh, third down play to keep that, you know, keep the ball from getting back to Arkansas at the end of the game. He had a nice little run. Not what you're probably expecting from a guy that, I mean, I keep saying it, but I mean, he looks just like Adrian Peterson to be. Big, strong, ripped, fast, you know, big old muscular Kid, you don't see many quarterbacks that probably are, you know, probably going to stand out in a weight room like that, but um, not as much as you would expect
1: when you look at him right now. Is that just because of where they are with the backup situation? They don't want to take a chance on getting him hurt because. Well,
2: he's running a little different to me uh, than he is. I mean, that could be him protecting himself. He's always, now he'll tell you, he's always considered himself a pocket passer to begin with. So I don't, I think that's part of it. Just the mentality of what he wants to be and what he wants to see. They haven't had a lot of runs just for him, like power quarterback runs. They had one against Arkansas, went for eight yards, and he slid a nice little run. So, I mean, they might be saving that for some bigger opponents coming up the road. I mean, it wasn't a great time. I wouldn't say Texas a and is a great team to run against. I mean, they're fast, they're athletic. They were, you know, they were, they, you know, they could they could hurt on you. So, and maybe you know, trying to get through Arkansas and not show a lot with Tennessee and LSU, you know, on the horizon.
0: But he is a guy that if if you force him out of the pocket, you know, evade him and get him out there, and he's going to take off and run, right?
2: Oh, yeah. He's not a big stiff guy. He's not Dan Marino. I mean, he can pull that thing down and run with it. I mean, he's a a smooth athlete. Um, You know, all the things. When you look at him, he's about what you'd expect.
0: Will they use him? And I, I know we're talking about him running the football a lot here, but in the red zone, inside the 10, inside the five, will they use him to run in that situation? I see he's got five touchdowns on the season.
2: Yeah, I think that's part of it is, though, for his scrambling ability. I mean, when he drops back to pass, I mean, when you got three or four receivers down the field, they got nice tight ends, too. Amari Nyblack's emerged really well. C.J. Dupre is a uh, transfer who's, I think, you know, hasn't had a big game yet. He had a big catch against South Florida, but he has that potential in Robbie Hoot. So they got a nice little tight end room. But when you spread that thing out, he's got lanes to run in. I think most teams are spying him, and, you know, rightly so, trying to spy him, Texas. Did a great job of keeping a guy near him and, and limiting that. I think he sees that spy, but when you've got somebody spying, you've got one less defender for the wide
1: receiver. So it's a little bit better chance of completing a pass there. So Tim, what what do you like best about best about this version of this Alabama team? And what is your biggest concern as a as a as a guy covering this team about this Alabama team?
2: Yeah, my biggest concern is the offensive line, obviously. You want to keep give that quarterback as much time and protection as you can. Goes hand in hand with establishing the running game. They've got good running backs. I mean, they've got Justice Haynes, a freshman who hasn't played a lot. One of the top freshmen in the country last year. They got Jace McClellan. He's a load. I mean, that's a big Texas kid, and he knows how to move the chains and get behind his pad. They've got guys that can run the ball. That's my biggest concern because I think you give have a good offensive line protecting the quarterback. It'll give him a little bit more confidence. But also, Jalen's got to be it's got to be more consistent. Um, they're going to rely on their defense, I think, at the end of the day with all this said. I think their defense is going to carry them uh, as far as far as they're going to go for the
0: most part. Tim, you mentioned earlier a revenge game for Alabama, of course, the LSU game, the Tennessee game. How do fans view this game for Tennessee? It, it's a game that Alabama's won for so many years. Tennessee got them last year, a long off season. How are fans viewing this game coming up this Saturday?
2: You're not as old as me and Brent, Eric, so you might not know. This game is nothing but streaks. Like when you yeah. like I, I grew up and I'm very familiar with this rivalry. We had three brothers, two were huge Tennessee fans, the other was an Alabama fan. And um we know like you can go eight years without rubbing it in anybody's face. We got kind of bored, like we didn't even talk trash to each other <laughs> at some stage. We're like seeing seven, you know, um, I think it definitely – I've always felt the rivalry from the from the old diehard fans. I think with younger fans, it might have been, you know, Florida at one point, Georgia at one point, and LSU's a big deal. But for me, it's always been a massive game. And uh, that game last year, I think you have to lose something to know how much it means to you because when y'all were chugging that goalpost around, there was a lot of people realized that game meant a, meant <laughs> a lot more to them, you know. Like I was getting texts like, wait a minute. <laughs> we were debating two weeks ago whether this is a rivalry game. You were, I had to bail you out tonight, buddy. So they, uh, no, I think it's always been there, and it's just better when it's competitive.
1: Yeah, and and it's and it's fun. I mean, and again, a lot of the younger fans don't don't grasp it, you know, because yeah. a Tennessee hadn't done their part in the longest time for it, and then there's a time where Alabama didn't do their part. But yeah. for for the older fans, this has always been the game. It will always be the game um for 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 the end of time for those guys and so um I, I think there'll be a lot of intensity in this one and I think this one will yeah. be really really physical it's kind of a Tim it feels like it's going to be a little bit of a throwback compared yeah. to what we've seen I mean it's got the vibe of a kind of a defensive slug fest which is the last thing you would kind of think about when you think Alabama offense the last few years and certainly you think about what Josh Heupel's done yeah. it feels like it's got a little old school vibe to it coming up on Saturday I mean
2: can you imagine a a, a- uh, 17 to 14, 17 to 13 game after last year's. You talking about emotional shock? I mean that you know last year was just was unbelievably the uh, you know one of the wildest games I've ever seen. So if it is, and but I agree with you. I think the defenses are both pretty solid. Tennessee certainly did a good job this week and uh, against Texas A and M. Max Johnson, he's he's not a bad quarterback. I've seen people criticize him, but man, Alabama and Tennessee beat that kid to death. And, I mean, he was still standing at the end, so just a testament to, to how tough he is. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a – you know, I don't, I wouldn't expect us to be in the 40s, both sides to be in the 40s. Um, but emotionally, I think Alabama fans will be really, really up for this game, which is a good thing. And then, again, they got LSU right away. And also, I think the crowd will be great, because if you looked at Alabama's schedule last year, all their really good games were on the road. They had one of the t- – they were at Texas, they're at Tennessee, they're at LSU. They didn't have many good home games. And then this year they get Texas. Of course, they get Tennessee and they get LSU. So the fans will be fired up for this. And, you know, 2.30 start, it should be, uh, should be a lot of excitement. Look at this. this that's – you're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you, I would be in jail for killing my father, first of all. <laughs> so we know that's not true. Look <laughs> got sneaking in. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Look, at that, hey, look just, at that. I look at that soprano set that I just doubled that, that my speaking fee. Godfather's got AP. I mean, look I at that Godfather's speaking set. That's a well, you, got
3: that, you got the Crimson Wall. You got the big script day up there on the football. Who was that signed by?
2: Roman um, Harper, Nick Saban, and George Teague would be those balls. And if you look at their office, I'm a – on top of their shelf as well. (laughs) My wife wife gets so mad. It's like us swapping Jersey. We just swap balls.
3: My wife gets so mad when I do these things. I said, I'm going to go up and jump on, but Watts' daddy is my name. And she's like, that's stupid. Don't do it. And then she's texting me. This is stupid.
2: Yeah. Well, she married you, so I might need to text her. We all make bad decisions, this Price.
0: Tim, I have one more question for you. before we hop Sure from a we kind of broke down how this might be a little bit of a throwback. It's got that defensive feel and and I know you'll continue to dig into Tennessee as the week goes on. But if you're Alabama seeing how well Tennessee runs it, how Tennessee struggles, you know, down the field passing, how would you attack Tennessee's offense if you're saving in that defense?
2: Well, I think they're comfortable in the secondary when you got two pretty good cornerbacks, so I think you can let them go one-on-one. They've had success. Alabama's kind of, you know, Alabama's success, they did really well stopping the run this year. And uh, we're going to see that this week. I mean, Tennessee's loading it up. They're pressing. You know, they're pushing the ball right up the middle. Alabama's defensive lines did a good job. Uh, their linebackers have been very active. They've been good. <coughs> Safety's play coming downhill. So I think that's it. You stop the run. You make them pass. Um, I'm imagining both defensive coordinators are trying to make uh, Milton or Milrow beat them in the air. I would think to some degree, um, limit them, um, pressure the quarterback and limit what they do on the ground. I think it's probably going to be similar game plans there.
0: I would imagine so. Yeah. And uh, we'll see it all play out third Saturday in October. That's coming up on Why Saturday. Is Austin
2: so stiff. Why is he like, relaxed dude. Like, relax. You look like. I, I am relaxed. He's I a like, pro. T- like I'm your attorney. He's what, a TV I, pro. Hey. I've never seen him wear one shirt. Have y'all ever seen just one? <laughs> it's like two sweaters, a shirt and a friggin' vest. How cold is it in your house, Miss Price? We got to turn that heat up. My boy, uh,
3: hey, uh, just remember during the game Saturday, my wife will put the Christmas tree up. What? So, I mean, like, no you know, way, you'd come on next 100%. Two years ago, see, 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 look oh, at I me. Mean, that, you two oh, years no. ago, I was in the press box at Alabama. My wife sends me a picture. She goes, I
1: said, Go ahead and put it on up. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> No, hey no, nothing like nothing like handing out your halloween candy and its little debbie Christmas tree cake <laughs> go with your christmas tree perhaps candy cakes
3: yeah. hey, absolutely hey, man, man. I, I am relaxed i am relaxed because you know you know
2: i got the latest Intel on george McIntyre over at valquest.com <laughs> well i just copied and put it on bol.com so we're all good here all they, right like the old days this is open season we read everybody's stuff now Keeping keep
0: the family keeping the family yes absolutely
2: no hey, good luck you guys travel safe to tuscaloosa i appreciate you it's good to meet you eric Good to That's meet awesome. you. Awesome. I love you guys. All right.
3: leave, leave the key underneath the uh, the, uh, the the stone out front, and I'll uh, see you Friday night. Okay.
2: If you come here Friday night, we're putting up our Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> how, you, how you like that? You come over here and see what happens. Sounds good.
0: Well, you, I'll play, I appreciate it, man. Watch. Thanks so much. Hey
3: guys, later, the
2: oh, large lights, Watts. <laughs> later, dude. See
0: All right, good stuff there from Tim Watts. He's the publisher over at Bama Online. Go check out their stuff for an Alabama perspective heading into the third Saturday in October. We got a, a lot of your questions to get into. We'll get AP's thoughts on the game, big recruiting weekend, all that and more. Uh, we're here on the Rockets Out Rewind until nine o'clock. But first, uh, before we come back and talk more about that, I want to get in and tell you about our friends over at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to the next big event, whether it's a sporting event, it's theater, it's comedy, all that type of stuff near you. Game Time is the place to buy those last minute tickets. You can do it I downloaded the GameTime app today and you'll see killer last minute tickets, all prices, all that type of stuff, event cancellation protection, job loss protection and the lowest price guaranteed over at GameTime. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the event, sometimes even after an hour after the event's even started. It's the place to find those last minute seats. Plus, they're going to show you pictures of your seats before you buy them. So you know exactly what you're purchasing over at game time i encourage you to download the game time app today go ahead and create an account use the promo code vols for twenty dollars off your first purchase that's vols vols vols, VOLS for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply create that account use that redeem code download game time today last minute tickets lowest price uh, guaranteed again that is game time vols for twenty dollars off your first purchase back for more of the Rocky Top Rewind here in just a second we'll go back into the Rocky Top Rewind every Sunday night here until nine o'clock eastern time VaultQuest.com and Ballquest on the YouTube channel I'm Eric Kane, Brent Hubbs Austin Price Tim Watts Bama Online joined us uh, moments ago just to break down the Alabama side of the third Saturday in October rivalry we'll preview all that as the week unfolds but more on that Texas A&M game Austin real quick some some thoughts about 24 hours out Uh, It wasn't pretty throwing the football, but Tennessee did a lot good in that football game. Good defense, good special teams, good running the football. Most importantly, you got that win at home before you go on the road to Alabama and to Kentucky.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, again, a win's a win. And, uh, you know, it's unrealistic to think Tennessee's going to be able to have that same type of success with Joe Milton going for 100 yards week after week, but in a one-off when when your defense played it the way it did and and your offensive line and your running backs – ran the ball the way they did, you're able to pull it off. Um, you know, they're going to have to be better this week, though. I mean, it's unrealistic to think you're going to keep running for 240 yards a game. If you do, then, you know, wow. Um, but even then, you still need more than 100 yards to the air, and you need more points. You need to be able to capitalize when you get it down inside the 20 and not turn the football over with picks in the end zone. And really, that you could say that for both teams. And you go back two weeks ago, Jalen Milrow had a terrible pick in the end zone against Texas A&M. Um, Joe obviously had one this past weekend uh, against Texas A&M at home. So, um, you know, the quarterback play is going to be key in this game. Uh, But, you know, Tennessee getting a win uh, against Texas A&M, get the 5-1 and heading to Alabama. It's something they've not done very much um, the last, you know, 15 years.
0: And Brent, you know, knowing Joe Milton struggling, you know, to throw the football down the field, this question from Chris here, you go on the road, as Austin pointed out, you're going to have to throw the football to win this football game. How do you kind of ease Joe into this football game, build that confidence, kind of get him in a rhythm against a talented defense from Nick Saban?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the scary part is I don't know that Joe has any confidence issues. I don't think that it's a confidence thing with Joe. I think it's an execution with thing with Joe. Um, look, I mean, first play from scrimmage, you throw a quick easy out because you've got Cushit over there and the ball sells high. Um, then you come back and you say, hey, let's throw some slants because that's that's a ball he threw really well against South Carolina. The first slant he threw was behind Chaz Nimrod. Nimrod made a good catch, uh, bailed him out there, and then he came back in the second half in the third quarter and had a wide-open Ramel Keaton for a slant. And Keaton, uh, the ball was so far behind him, Keaton didn't have a chance to make a play on it. They they, designed a t- they, they drew up a touchdown play, and, and Ramel Keaton dropped that ball. Uh, I, I mean, I think right now what you have is you have a passing game that lacks confidence, uh, that lacks continuity, rhythm, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, cause there are times that Joe throws a decent ball and they drop it. And then there are lots of times Joe throws a ball all over the place. It makes it hard for, for guys to catch it. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, they, I mean, Austin, they've been throwing sideways screens to get him in a rhythm the entire, the entire season, basically. Um, they tried to clearly get him in a rhythm rhythm against Austin or Austin P at the start of the, that football game and it didn't work. I, I don't, I don't know what the answer there is. Joe just got to play better. I mean, I I know that's a stupid, simplistic answer, but the the guy's an older player. He's played enough football. He just got to play better, Austin. Well, but what do you say to the people that say he kind of is who he is? I mean, you know, I mean, like, I I don't. It's hard for me to disagree with that at this point. I mean, until until he plays better, he is who he is.
0: My question is, Austin, can he? He is who he is. I get it, but. He was seeing that safety early in the season. The last two games, he's not seeing that safety, and he's turning the football over. How do you get back to being he is who he is and protecting the football, and maybe not winning because of him, but you know, not being the guy he is now and winning in spite of him?
3: Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. You know, I, I still think Joe for the for the the you know pull your hair out moments. I still think he's got a game or two in him where he's going to. Have everything dialed in, right? You know, like that 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 player that you know, you know, he may you know have a 15 game streak where he, you know or 15 games where he doesn't get a hit but all of a sudden it gets it goes three out of four back to back games. Like I still think Joe's got that in him. Maybe that's this week. Maybe that's at Kentucky. Um, maybe it's at Missouri. I don't know. I, I right now I think Hubs is right. I think it's not just Joe. I think it's Everybody involved because you know I think you know I mean I, we joked about the security guard at the game. I've seen the post on the board. I mean like, what's it hurt? Ramel put 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 eighty back on Ramel. You just <laughs> never know, man. Like what makes things got I me. Mean, it's like if I'm struggling with you know a putter and I pick up an old putter and all of a sudden start making putts. I mean it just it's it, sometimes it's it, it's just you know kind of seeing it differently, you know and and you know kind of getting any kind of thing to kind of get get you confident. Um, you know I, I just think. You've got to find some way this week to be able to, you know, go for more than 100 yards. You've got to get back to that two to two thirty, you know, uh, range, and then you know that means you don't have to run for 240 yards. And if you do, that means you have put up almost 500 yards, and that's great, right? I mean, like I just think they've got to find some way to get confident. I'm not sure how they do it.
0: It was just a weird game because if if you would have shown me the box score, you know, before they played, said Tennessee's going to run for 243 or 234, whatever it was, against this A and M defense. I would say tennessee's going to win by multiple touchdowns if you were to show me that same box score and said that joe milton's going to throw for 100 yards i'm going to say <laughs> AM is going to win by multiple touchdowns <laughs> and it, you know it was the first game tennessee had won with josh Hopple not scoring 30 points first game tennessee won with josh Hopple scoring one touchdown it was just a bizarre game first time, um, he's, been,
3: first time he's won a game where he tried at halftime
0: yeah exactly that, that that's another one so um it, j- just a little weird game but again at the end of the day tennessee did get that win i, I, I want to get back to this question here from tony Talking about trying to get Joe feeling himself and all that, you know, have design runs for him. I don't know if we'll ever see eight to 10 design runs, but Austin, you talked about it on the podcast. He was feeling himself amped up a little bit. And then maybe he just kind of forced that throw and he got picked off. I mean, that it is what it is, but like it it did. Whereas earlier in the game, he shot away from it. He was seeking out that contact in the second half.
3: Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to agree with Tony here. Like Chris Lowe and I talked about this tonight on the nation, like, if, if you're not going to be able to make plays through the air, you've got to do something else that you know that Joe can do. And Joe can run it. He doesn't – I don't think he really wants to run it, but he's capable. I mean, like there are times where he runs out of bounds. You're like, what are you doing? And then other times where he like lowers the head and, 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 and plows over a guy and you're like, why don't you do that every time? Like, I mean, so like if, if you're not having success through the air, you've got to find some other way to generate yards. And is that with – seven, five, six, seven, you know, design runs in a game hover. I I, Again, I think you've got to find any way to, you know, squeeze all the blood out of that turnip this week and then
1: going forward. Well, and here's the interesting thing to to me is is I, I thought it was one of the big stats going into the game was, was what was the negative yards for Joe? How many negative yards did he have? Joe had Joe was sacked three times. Um, maybe one of those he should have held on. He should have gotten rid of and just chunked it out of bounds. Maybe, uh, but the other two were—I I can't really say they're on him. But he finished with 34 yards rushing. Which, I, if you'd have told me that going in the game in the box score, I would have said Joe Milton has played well because he wasn't holding on to the football and, and, and he was—he was getting out, making a quick decision, and getting out, which I think was a positive for Joe. I, I do think they've got to run him eight to ten times in the game, though
0: he ran for 50 yards actually. So like he ran for 50 and he had, he had 34 after the sack. So like he, I mean, he kind of had another gear, you know, running the football there in the second half. And um, I, I don't know. I just, you're right. Like, I don't think confidence is an issue, but like when you see Joe out there jumping around and bobbing his head a little bit, it's like, okay, at least, it, at least it looks like that the other guys can maybe feed off that energy. Now you can't go turn the football over, but there's so many times where that offense just looks so stale and, uh, there's no energy out there. Um, I saw a little bit of that second half. And, okay. uh, again, the offense wasn't great throwing the football, but you did see that a little in the second half. You know,
3: like, early in that game, Hubbard, I mean, he made a, an unbelievable play on that guy coming off the edge there on the the first drive or the second drive. And he missed he missed Rommel down the field. But, like, I mean, that's a nice play. You know, right. I mean, like, you know, again, like, he looked like he was moving better last night than he did against South Carolina. You know, you had two weeks to kind of – let the leg breathe a little bit and all that. And obviously, you know, he's, you know, kind of had those banged up ribs. You're going back to the Austin P game where he, you know, the Florida game, he basically wore like a flag jacket or whatever. I mean, he, it's uh he feels like he's a little more healthy than he's been.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think the thing that is, look, I mean, I, I can understand and, and have kind of realized that he, he's going to have inconsistency. From an accuracy standpoint, okay, that's that's kind of who he is. The, the The thing that's still bothersome is he doesn't throw enough people open. You know, the ball's behind people too too many times across the middle of the field. I thought he had Chaz Demrod open in the end zone, but he threw the ball late. I think Gary Danielson pointed that out. He was he was a tick tick and a half late throwing it. You, you run out of bounds on a free play. It's just some of the situational awareness that he's played enough football that, that he has to be better with that. I even go back to the, to the, I think it was a bad call by Josh Heupel to throw the out pattern to Ramel Keaton in the end zone to try to put the game away there. I think that's I do not I don't, I don't like that play call because I think it brings too much risk factor into it, but a quarterback with some awareness has to understand there. I'm only throwing that if he's wide open, if he's not wide open, I'm going to tuck it and run get down. If I can't score, keep the clock running or make them burn a timeout. You know what I mean? Those are the types of things that I think Joe, that that's where Joe has to to try to grow. I don't know. I mean, I think Joe is who he is sometimes from an accuracy standpoint, Eric, but some of those mental things, you, you got to have a better situational awareness than, than what he showed at times. Yes. Right. now. At the same time, he had a good pocket feel, as Austin mentioned. He got out of the pocket and helped himself there. It's just some, some two or three plays where you go, wait a minute, what, what was that? And, and I think that's the point. You know, I think that's the struggle.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the four of us, me, Grant, Rob, and Austin, up there in the press box Saturday, just couldn't believe that he ran out of bounds there. It's the first possession of the game. You, you should be juiced up. Should be trying to be energizing your team. And it was a free play you got to take the, throw the football. Throw the
1: football is what you do there. You don't run the football. You throw the football.
0: And, and, and I wrote about it today in my, in my big three. And it's like, well, first of all, know the situation. Throw the football. It's literally a free play. If you get it picked off, you're getting the ball right back. Throw the football. But if you're going to run, run. You know, get to the sticks. It was just so frustrating. So I, I agree with that in terms of situation of football. Now, it was a question a moment ago. I don't know if I popped it up there or not. But Austin clearly Tennessee, you know, Josh Heupel, he was affected by not being able to throw the football yesterday. His play calling was affected. And so, I mean, that's an issue if you go in the road and, and you're doing that at, at, at Alabama or at Kentucky this week. Like, that can't happen to that extent moving forward.
3: No, I mean, you know, again, I think that you're in, entering, going to encounter um, a hostile environment down there. I mean, Tim talked about, you know, the Alabama fans want this one back on their side of the ledger. So, like, you know, the communication, the ability to throw the football, um, you know, Tennessee's receiver's ability to get open, um, all of that stuff is going to be a play this week uh, for Joe. So, again, I, I think that Tennessee's going to have to have a good scheme. Um, you know, they're going to have to, you know, Hypo's going to have to find a way to get them confident, which in turn will make him confident in, being the, in the ability to call plays and have success. So um, this is going to be an interesting game. Like, what does Tennessee do? different than they've been doing to try to instill some type of juice in the passing game, because Alabama, you know, is going to load the box. Tim talked about this. You know, you got you feel good about your corners and your safeties. You're going to, you know, put those guys out on an island. You're going to load the box and, you know, make Tennessee go through the air. Make them – make Joe Milton beat you, and if he's able to loosen it up. Now, we said this last week, and he okay. threw 100 yards, and Tennessee ran for 237. But at some point, like – you know, you would think that some team's going to have more success in stopping Tennessee's ground game, um, but I tell you what, Jalen Wright—I mean, that, that guy—he I mean, is a bull in a china shop, buddy. I mean, he is a, a load to bring down. All that extra time in the weight room has paid off.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, I think the spreading everybody out makes it hard to crowd the box. You know, I, I think it, it makes it a challenge yeah. to crowd the box. We
3: talked about that. Just the splits.
1: Yeah, I mean, know. it it, it's an effect, it it has a greater effect than. I thought, and then obviously having Cooper back out on the road should help you. But this team has got to communicate better on the road than they have because this is going to be a loud environment. You know that's where it starts. Before you yeah. talk about getting Joe into a rhythm and you're going to do this, that, and everything else offensively, you can't be in first and fifteen because you had a false start penalty. Yeah, those are the things that you've got to avoid. That first and foremost this week on the road for Tennessee.
0: Yep. That's one of those storylines. When you came back from the swamp, you kind of put that storyline in the, in the drawer over here and said, all right, let's wait until you know, a month from now when Tennessee gets the road again, pull it back out because it is one of those things. The swamp, Athens last year, Columbia, South Carolina. Um, it, it's been a little bit since it's been at LSU or, or some of those road environments. Um, Before we kind of shift gears, I want to ask Austin some recruiting questions before we call it quits. I I know we'll have the predictions later in the week and everything. We'll talk Tennessee, Alabama, at nauseum. But, I mean, we're all in agreement right now, right? I mean, Tennessee can certainly win this football game on the road. I mean, Tennessee is capable. Tennessee is good enough. they got to play better in certain aspects. But, I mean, we all agree Tennessee can win this game, correct?
3: Yeah, they can. They they can win the football game. Now, again – I think they're going to, to do some things that maybe they haven't been doing, but, you know, they absolutely can. Alabama's not super explosive. They'll big chunk play you. Can Tennessee kind of keep Alabama in front of them? You know, if, if they can eliminate, like, that, but I mean, how does the guy – I mean, of course, you always said this last year. How does general hockey keep getting open? Like, how did, how did the Alabama receiver get so wide open down the gut of the football field? Um, you know, you have to eliminate that. Like, your safeties have to be good. This is going to be a game where Wesley Walker is going to have to be on point. Jalen McCullough can't you know, have any lax moments. Um, they have to eliminate the big play because I think Tennessee's front seven will be able to slow down Bama's offense enough. And this should be a really, I think, you know, kind of low-scoring game in, in relative terms, right, like 24 to 21, something like that.
0: That total over at FanDuel here on a Sunday, I believe, it's like 47 and a half. I was like – I have not seen a total that low for a Tennessee football team, and you know, since Josh hoppel has been here, but it could be like that. It could be like that. And again, you win seventeen to fourteen, you take it, just like you win twenty to thirteen. Austin, it was a big weekend in terms of recruiting. No official visitors, but some big time unofficial visitors. Twenty twenty five class. Let's start with the headliner, George McIntyre, uh, the the hopeful quarterback for the class of twenty twenty five, and and then obviously some uh, some commits got back in on campus and, and some other twenty fives. Yeah, George
3: got in town. Uh, they were on a bye week, and so he was at the at the beach. Then they're seeing his uncle at FIU coach on uh, was it Wednesday, and then they came up here. They were here all day Friday, Saturday. Uh, left this morning. Got to hang out with his sister. Uh, you know, and, and spend time with her and, uh, you know, that was good for the family. So, you know, spend a lot of time with Josh hype, a lot of time with Joey Halsley was the last recruit to leave the locker room last night. Um, I, I continue to think Tennessee's in a good spot here. Long-term LSU's at, obviously in Alabama as well. Georgia's is trying to take a swing. Obviously his uncle at FIU is in the top 10. you never can discount the family, but, uh, you know, I think Tennessee is, uh, Definitely left a big impression on George. Um, he's been here uh, quite a few times, and every time it's all about the relationship with Josh Heupel.
1: Yeah, for me, Austin, I mean, take uh, stepping past George, who's obviously big fish in this weekend, two, two guys I thought it was important to have them in were, were, were Staley and Ross, the, the two yeah. Tennessee commits. Um, I thought it was important to get them in and get them around the environment with – with other schools coming. We know South Carolina is trying on Staley and Jordan Ross keeps climbing up the rankings. More and more people are going to call for, for, on him down the stretch here. I thought it was big to get him in town. I agree. I think both of them were, it was
3: big, especially to have them around that environment, the checker Nealand, how loud it was at, at Neeland And, you know, just, uh, you know, just they had a great time. You know, Jordan Ross talked about, you know, how, you know, that made him really kind of like, you know, feel, feel really good about his decision and the future there. And, and you know, Staley, same thing. So I think having both those guys here and then a guy like Anais Williams, the, uh, you know, the uh, defensive lineman that's committed to Missouri that's from Florida, I mean, he's a good-looking kid. Um, now, again, where does this thing go, um, you know, with him, we'll see. But, you know, obviously getting him here, up here unofficially is a big deal. Now I think the target is to get him back here officially either in November or December.
0: Awesome. What about another in-state guy, class of twenty twenty-five, Ethan Utley? Uh, yeah, top two hundred guy in the class. Yeah,
3: love in Tennessee right now. Really is. Um, you know, you feel like Tennessee's in a pretty good spot there. His mom has known um, Coach Gardner since he worked at Georgia. Like that's how long those the, those two parties have known each other. Um, Ethan's is someone that Tennessee really covets in that twenty twenty-five class in-state and. Uh, They've done a good job of recruiting him, and he's been up here a few times now.
1: now. I tell you what, if you're a defensive lineman and you're not liking what you see out of Tennessee right now, you haven't been watching a whole lot. I mean, yeah. those inside guys, the way that they have developed, when you see what a Bryson Eason is doing right now, even a guy like Karak Garland, the way he played, and then obviously with what Barron and Pierce are doing, that that should be a pretty easy sell, at least to get everybody's attention to get guys' attention whether it's a 25, 26, or even a, a potential 24 flip guy out there. That's got to be leaving impressions with everybody right now with the way and the style of play and the productivity that front's getting right now.
3: Yeah, and I, I'll be real honest with you. You know, I, I thought, you know, kind come up short on the defensive line in this class. But, you know, the way the season's playing out, I think it may not be a bad thing because I think that they may be a real attractive spot for any of the really talented defensive linemen in the transfer portal. Like, you know, I mean, like, why not? I mean, you look at t- the way Tennessee's played – You look at, you know, Omar Norman a lot, the impact he's made um, as a transfer. Like, I think they become a real attractive option next year. And again, a lot of Tennessee success next year will be predicated on who comes back, who cashes in that extra year on the offensive line and on the defensive line. And how much do they have to replace?
0: Also, we got a question here from Balls Time. Uh, Are you going to be checking out any recruits that Friday night ahead of Tennessee and Alabama?
3: Um, no, I, I may go to Jordan Ross's game, but since we just talked to him, I don't know yet. Um, and then, uh, as far as recruits at the game, I think Daniel Hill may be, um, at the, uh, the Tennessee Alabama game, uh, we'll see, but, uh, that's one to, uh, continue
0: to watch. Hey, tonight you had Nick Saban on the nation, you and Chris Lowe, uh, anything big, of course, we got the, the transcript up at, uh, com. uh, Grant put it up there, but anything big from Nick Saban on the nation tonight?
3: No, it was relatively mundane. Like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, respects the series. You know, um, you know, it means a lot to people in Alabama. feels like their team's, you know, coming along, still making too many mistakes, uh, you know, you know 100 yards and penalties and I think it's driving them crazy. Uh, really, really you know, a lot of respect for Tennessee's running game. Jalen Wright, the running backs, says that that's where it all starts for them defensively. They've got to stop Tennessee from running the football. And so that's why you expect them to, you know, to load the box and, Try to shut them down.
1: Yeah, and I think discipline. You know, discipline is going to be a huge factor in this game because both of these teams have been highly penalized teams. Who plays a clean football game? Yeah, sure. and um, uh, who doesn't make the mistakes? You know, and, and avoid some of those things. I, I think is Max agrees with me. Obviously, yeah. um, I, I mean, I think that's the challenge in, in this game for both these teams. Tennessee is, I mean, you, know, you got too many, you got too many penalties at, at home. I mean, that just. You can't do have those things that, that you have. And um, so, you know, we'll see. I think that's going to be a big part of the storyline in this game is who plays the cleanest football game.
0: Tennessee, a winner over Texas A&M 20-13, behind a strong running game, sharp defense, and some really good special teams. We'll need all that and a little bit more on the road at Tuscaloosa. We'll continue to break down and preview Tennessee-Alabama all week long. And Brent Hubs. Uh, we got so much throughout our our weekly uh, game week stuff over at Valkwest.com. Tons of podcasts, stock reports, matchup pieces, all that and more. But if people are not members with us over there at Valkwest.com, we got an incredible deal starting tomorrow morning, um, 50% off your first year of annual subscription at Valkwest.com. No better time to join the site than tomorrow morning whenever that sale is offered.
1: Yeah, Absolutely, if you're not already a subscriber. And if you're not, then you missed out on a ton of content in the last 24 hours. Nobody has got kept you up to date on recruits' reaction, commits' reaction, um, a- analysis of the game, everything that was said post-game, uh, opinions post-game right after with the podcast, obviously this show tonight. So uh, a lot of discussion on the message board uh, about that game last night and about the game coming up. There's no better time to check us out than right now.
0: All right, and we'll have uh, plenty more coverage beginning tomorrow morning right here at VolQuest.com. For Brent Hubs, Awesome Price, Hi Mary Kane. Appreciate you, appreciate you guys for being here as always here on the Rockies Out Rewind. Big shout-out to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making this all possible. If you have a need, free consultation, give them a call today at 423-245-4185. That is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Again, as always, we thank you so much for joining us here on the Rocky Top Rewind every Sunday night, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Time at VolQuest.com.